Every day we hoistling at Pilots and Pitards Podcast. Welcome to the Pilots and Pitards Podcast. This is the podcast with nothing much ado about aircrafts, but potentially everything ado with the first episode of a filmic series. Disclaimer, petard is a word. It is a real word. You can look it up later so you don't get hoist by your own petards. I am Jimbo, the anti-millennial, non-conforming, existentialist, pilot critic, and Kenya the podcast. I'm back again, guys. It's Critical Carl. Thank you so much for having me. Now, for today's episode, we are going to cast judgment and determine if the super cynical superhero drama, The Boys, will be hoist or not hoist. That is the question. And we're going to start off with our spoiler-free part one. This series is originally a comic book, big surprise. It was Garth Ennis, you'll really famous for Punisher Max. We talked about him a decent amount when we reviewed The Punisher. He's also the creator of the comic book The Preacher, which was also a somewhat popular TV show. The TV series creators, we have Eric Kripke, Evan Goldberg, and Seth Rogen. You might recognize Eric Kripke from Supernatural. And then Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen have made a lot of things together. Uh, Super bad. This is the end. A bunch of other things. So these, so these guys you are probably familiar with. I do know that Seth Rogen's had a great year as far as his production team. He was involved in Lion King. He also just had a great uh, run with the Good Boys, that uh, hard art comedy with the I guess one of the 12 year olds that came out recently, he was behind the scenes on that as well. So that was really good. I didn't know much about the boys before watching it. I had heard on just some YouTubes and blogs that the show was going into development and starting to film a whole bunch last summer. I think San Diego Comic Con 2018 was where they made like the big announcement, maybe did some posters and trailers, but yeah, kind of snuck up on me. The, the boys have been a potential movie. For like 12 years, pretty much since the comic came out, they already talked about making a movie. And then it was originally going to be picked up by Cinemax, which I didn't know Cinemax makes shows. But unfortunately, Cinemax couldn't hack it. And Amazon, of course, came in and picked up the slack. And now for our two-sentence summary. The seven are a corrupt group of assholes, but they're superheroes. So it's cool. What will happen when the boys start finding evidence against the seven? Stay tuned to find out if you should give a steaming pile of crap. Once again, so part one will be spoiler-free. We're going to talk about the highs, lows, maybe some in-betweens, the overall quality of the pilot. You can listen now. We will let you know before we go into part two because we will let the spoilers flow like wine (laughs) after part one. So, Carl, if you want to start us off, anything high, low, in-between? One of the biggest highs, I think, for this pilot was the production value. I mean, whenever you touch the superhero genre nowadays, a lot of fans and, and just audiences have a very high bar of what they think of. It's it's like a big kind of world that you have to really step into. So I thought the special effects and the camera work and the CGI was all like a pretty top notch. The bar is very high. Like you can't really make a low budget superhero anything anymore. Right. And so yeah, the, the production value is good. Unless it's like some kind of a parody where you're, you're again, you're mocking the behind the scenes strings of superhero movies, but no one's really doing that now. It's like, like you said, you have to take it very seriously. The choreography, the fighting styles, everyone will pick these things apart. Even from the Netflix shows like Daredevil, that really also kind of pushed the forward, uh, push forward martial arts and, you know, how people looked at fighting styles on TV. As I mentioned, I use the word cynical. The themes in this show are good. There's there's a Me Too theme going on, which is actually, I confirmed, it's it's from the original storyline in 2006 as well. So that's, so that's cool for uh, Garth Ennis to kind of be on top of that. There's a really excellent shock scene. And we're going to save that. Carl's going to talk about that in his MVP. And then the episode closes with a, a solid cliffhanger. Uh, just jumping on your Me Too point, I thought that was a really nice scene too with the character. I want to say her name was Starlight. I thought that scene was really kind of special because it showed a lot of innocence and vulnerability, but also a lot of power. It wasn't like this girl was an immediate victim or, you know, immediately shell-shocked. I think she was like the audience, like we were, just kind of like, hey, what, you know, how did this happen? It went from being an okay situation to really awkward and strange and inappropriate. For especially women viewers, women in the business world viewers, I think they're going to see that scene and they're, 
now granted this is a, a white guy uh talking about this but i think women would think that scene captures captures reality well absolutely i mean that's a huge I don't want to say a selling point in a lot of TV and movies nowadays, but like you said, after Me Too, that's been a major story point, letting women have their vantage point and their perspectives be shown in shows about Fox News or, you know, either real life situations with Megyn Kelly and things like that. But even in a superhero show, you still have a superhero world, excuse me, you still have heroes who have to go to the same kind of jumping through the hoops of political uh, being the new person on the block, I guess. I think another thing that the show does really well, I, I do have some problems with the show, but it ties together the, all the conflicts into one main conflict really well. In fact, it may do this better than most of the other pilots that we've reviewed. It did a really good job of bringing all the people's problems into one big problem. So that, I think, is really great sto- storytelling. It does seem like two different stories at the beginning of the pilot where you have one main character, I think his name is Huey, and the other main character, uh, again, is Starlight. And by the end, yes, their two worlds do kind of converge. And then you get the other kind of twist going on with the, I guess, agency that's handling the heroes. So I thought that was uh, another high point. I thought the story, or again, the pilot did a really good job of establishing all the different characters. Like Homelander and Butcher and The Deep and A-Train. They had a lot of different... Like, there's an ensemble. But I thought the pilot did a good job of establishing them all, having their different identities and personalities pretty well. I can remember all of them now. And like a solid mix of people with powers, people with not powers, good guys, bad guys, questionable guys. I mean, like, it's it's not black and white. This is not a Superman story. Absolutely. Definitely not a black and white kind of a story. And you're right. And I thought that made it, again, more realistic, where you're not just looking at everyone who's super-powered and everyone who's throwing a car over their head. There were people like Huey, his father, I want to say the store owner where he worked, who were just kind of living in the world with heroes, and maybe they were being seen as the half-nots in the situation. And so now, good time to transition over to the low point. So I definitely complimented tying the conflicts together, but the show... It starts slow. This is this is actually a really boring show. And <laughs> I would say it kind of doesn't really pick up to like 30 minutes. The first scene is is somewhat exciting, but it's a slow start and there's a there's some definite slow pacing. Like extensive slow pacing. I agree. The there's a lot of scenes where you're again you're living with the characters and you're trying to figure out who they are and establishing their interest in their i guess you could say their their journey coming up and that's all fine and good but the pacing is really slow you almost are finding yourself why do i care about these people i actually wasn't too big of a fan of the opening scene with the the two kids i just i thought it was kind of yeah like hokey and okay whatever it establishes that heroes are very popular and they're in this world but again the designs and all that were fine one of my uh small low points it's not Simon Pegg as an actor, because I love Simon Pegg. I just did not buy him as the father. I looked it up after I watched the pilot. The main actor who plays Huey is like 27 now. Simon Pegg is like 48. So I just did. Uh, yeah, nah. <laughs> and, and most of the things that I've seen Simon Pegg, he plays like, you know, the young, kind of cool uncle. I've never just seen him play like a father. So I, I just didn't buy it. I love his acting. And I th- you know, I enjoyed their dynamic the more uh, the pilot went on. But when I first saw it, and I'm like, wait, did he say dad? I was kind of thrown off by him calling him dad when I'm like, you're the, you almost look the same to me. But maybe that was just me. Yeah, I, I didn't pick up on that. I uh, bought it. I don't know that actor, so it wasn't a distraction. Mm. You don't know Simon Pegg? Or the, no, the, I don't know Simon Pegg. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> There's... Seems to be two story arcs coming together. And in the comic books, this was a, the Starlight character has a separate story arc. They throw them together really quick and in a really cheesy way. Maybe it comes off funnier in a comic book. And this is actually another one, one of my low points. I feel like the show is banking on satire, but it doesn't, it doesn't come off as funny. It's just not. I kind of felt that Starlight's origin was very truncated, where you get this typical montage of someone training, lifting a car, and they're, you know, doing their sit-ups, and it's like the Rocky kind of a feeling. 
I wasn't personally motivated or moved at all by that. It did seem kind of rushed, and I wasn't sure at the beginning where this was going or how her character was going to align with the other main character. So I agree with you that on, on that point. I, I do think that, even though I said that the characters stand out really well, the non-powered ones, in my mind, were really kind of flat. I, I'm not a fan of the powerless nerd, you know, who has to, he's always bumbling and, you know, Huey doesn't know how to ask the girl out and, you know, they're like always, almost like the beta kind of a male. That just frustrates me, especially when you juxtapose him with a character like Homelander or even the Butcher who are like alpha males. Huey's like a pipsqueak and I get it. That's his, even his name kind of sounds childish like Huey. It's not a very manly Bravo name and I don't know, I'm just getting tired of that archetype. So that's the thing. I think I think if we isolate these things, someone could be like, oh, well, yeah, he's like poking fun. Like they're like making fun of it. Right. But it doesn't really come off that way. It only comes off that way like after deep reflection. Yeah. And I honestly think that this would be a very successful show, like you said, riffing on the comic book genre or that medium, only if you're well versed in comic books and graphic novels. I think if you were – if a random – I don't want to – stigmatized moms but if a mom who's just you know watching this with her sons or daughters to see what they were watching i don't know if they would typically be moved or bought into yeah this is some next level commentary it's very surface level it's just they're not good i mean i'm not complaining but it didn't feel um yeah like it was a scratching the surface kind of yeah, so I'll add one more low, low point, and then Carl can add one more if, if he wants. There is a woman in a refrigerator. So if you remember back to our discussion back in, back in one of our first episodes where you have a woman character whose sole purpose is to call the main character into action, and then that's all that character is good for. So there's, there's definitely that, and we are going to come back to, to her character a little bit later. But yeah, so there is a very blatant woman in a refrigerator that is a negative trope in comic books and so like this is another thing that could have been satire but it didn't it didn't look like satire at all <laughs> i'm not sure if you're talking about the thing i think you're talking about i think or I wait, are, are you saying like was there a literal woman no, no, in a no. oh, okay never mind then yeah we're on the same page uh that that also was a, a small low point as well Okay, so <laughs> for any new listeners that missed it, I think it might have been our episode five. You so explained th- this before. Yes. Yeah. So um, there's a Green Lantern comic book where Green Lantern goes away and he comes home and his girlfriend is literally chopped up into pieces in his refrigerator. There's a famous comic book author. I don't recall her name off the top of my head, but she has a website. It's called Women in Refrigerator. And she like goes through and details hundreds of different instances where female characters are, are – Mm-hmm. maliciously used by comic book creators and and writers just to call the main character to action. And so we get that like big time. And I think it could have been something that was like satire and funny, but it it, it wasn't. I, I know what you mean now. It, it kind of happens in Deadpool with Vanessa or like whenever, yeah. Or like any story you can think of. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. This is like their... This is their motivating thing. They're going to avenge that woman or that lost. Yes, that happens a lot of times. And and you're right. It doesn't work well here either. <laughs> yeah. And so it's so like a key point is this, is the woman character has no purpose in the story whatsoever besides to call the main character to action. And I would argue that with this character in particular, I actually really was liking that character. So I feel like if they were still on the show or still able to keep going, they might have been, you know, one of the more favorite ones. But again, alas, they had to go in order for the main character, the nerd, to what, like I just said, feel like he has to become a real man now or whatever it is. So we are about to close up our spoiler, spoiler free part one. I'm, I'm going to give my MVP because it's spoiler free. And then Carl's going to give his MVP during part two. So my, my most valuable part of the pilot, this could be anything on or off screen for any new listeners. Mine is just the overall cynicalness of this show. I think I'm a pretty cynical person. Every single character is seems to only be motivated by their self-interest. And <laughs> it's I, could, I, I would maybe even add like pessimistic. Like there is not really any good altruistic characters in this show. There's no Superman, there's there's no Batmans, there's no Peter Parkers. I really like that. That like that I think was able to get me over a lot of the boring aspects. 
I liked it too. I think the the fact that the heroes or the you know cape soups, whatever you want to call them, are more dark and and motivated by greed or personal use or personal interest, it did make it a little bit more fun. It was almost like all the non human, non excuse me, non superpowered characters. The further they were away from the uh, superheroes, the more holy or just more like you said altruistic they were. Like Gary or the dad, we didn't really see much about them, but the more Huey gets involved with that lifestyle, you can see that his, I guess, morality uh, spectrum is, or barometer is being shaken up. If you would like to watch this episode before we spoil everything, pause now, come back when you finish watching. We are going to dive into part two. This is our filmic analysis and interpretation. And we're going to let Carl start off with his MVP. So the spoilers will be flowing like wine. All right. You've been warned. We love wine here. But yeah, one of my, the biggest MVP I think was Robin's death. Watching it, I could rewind it a bunch of times. It's probably my favorite, one of my favorite scenes of the pilot when she gets taken out by a train. At first, I didn't know if it was a bus or what the hell was going on. But then when the camera kind of goes around and you just see the blood splatter uh, hit back on Huey's face and you can actually see a train run through her and you can see her jaw and I think her spine and things like that. It was really kind of horrific. And I like that the creators, directors decided to keep it in a more serious tone. Even after she realizes that she's dead, they could have played it for a laugh and, you know, just cut to a random person looking at her, looking at the scene as well. But you really felt the uh, the pain of him losing his loved one and, you know, her hand still being attached to him. Yeah, so so Robin is the woman in the refrigerator. And the, it's like this scene, like she comes to meet him. They're going to lunch or something. It's a... It's way too long. Like when I was watching, I was like, I was like, where is this going? And then all of a sudden there's just like, boom, there's like this shocking scene. And it was very well done. Like this would have been a great scene to watch in a movie theater. Because like even sitting at home, just laying on the floor watching it, I'm like, damn, whoa. Like, so that's definitely a scene worth watching a few times. I agree with you, especially when we've seen some of these superhero powers before, like, you know, running fast. That was made kind of, you know, famous again by X-Men with the Quicksilver scene where he's running through the kitchen. Then you had uh, Zack Snyder and The Flash with the blue. And people are always wanting to look at how can you show super speed even in a cooler way. And I definitely think the boys did their – they put their stamp on it as well. Watching A-Train go through her and and just seeing the aftermath of the blood. And it was really interesting and, yeah, kind of tragic. And it really made me think about – yeah, how do they avoid humans if they're going that fast? So I thought that was a it was kind of interesting uh, question being answered. Her name is Robin. Should we <laughs> should we make more into that? I think we have to put our tin tinfoil hats on and yes, read a lot more into the fact that a character named Robin had an untimely death. Yeah, and very bloody, <laughs> very 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 nasty death too. So yeah, Robin's killed quick in this one. It was Jimbo who pretty much said that it kind of harkens back to, you know, the Dark Knight or Batman having his sidekick. I think Robin was kind of like uh, Huey is his name, his like, you know, cheerleader. Like she said, you know, I had to ask you out, you know, do you want to move out? Like she was kind of clearly the one wearing the pants in the relationship. So the fact that he lost her in this horrific way clearly was going to, is going to go on to define his entire experience. Uh, and that's like a huge arc in the pilot. Is he going to be able to avenge her, right? The butcher keeps saying it. His father wants him to move on. But I definitely think her the death, the death scene period just was uh, one I could watch over and over again and are not sadistic way yeah so so since since we're talking about about huey so yeah he's he's a he's a man of inaction but then he's also having these hallucinations or maybe daydreams but they're like kind of dark so like i like i take it more as like a like like a hallucination he's hallucinating about acting so what do you make of that carl this goes exactly to what i was saying before about like Oh, like, you know, this person is a dweeb and they're never going to get into a real fist fight, but then they'll dream about it. So I was like, really? I, I like that scene too. And he's like telling the, I guess, corporate dude, like, hey, you know, F off. I'm not going to sign this. Yeah, NBA. that was a really good scene. It was. I was like, oh, well, look at him. He's like, get out of here. He's like, get out, get out. And then he, of course, is just dreaming. And it makes you think of one of my favorite movies, Fight Club. And this is, it's the same thing. 
this guy is too much of a punk in his life, so he can't really do these things, and therefore just have some kind of a will. It's like, I get it, but I'm just kind of getting over it. Like, the Poindexter nerd always getting slammed into a locker. It's like, you can also just have a backbone, too. And he does show a semblance of it, but yeah, I wish that scene was real. I agree. And and once again, this is the, I swear this will be the last time I say that, but that's like another like dropped satire opportunity. I think if they would have showed Huey kind of going toward the more, I don't want to say dark side, but going to being more vigilante-like, like with the, with Gary, right? When he has to ask his boss if you could he have more responsibility or whatever it was. It's like if we saw him back talk his boss or even flip his boss out, all right, whoa, that was kind of crazy. And then again, if he would have told that guy, F off, not maybe punched him or whatever, but just told him, get out of my house, you kind of could see the crack and, you know, all right, maybe this guy is, you know, maybe more villain-like, but the whole time he's just like, whoa, whoa, like, what am I going to do now? And I, I I just don't like all that time when the, when the, it's like, again, the dork is like stumbling into a cool kid's party and they feel like they don't belong. And I just feel like, yeah, it's kind of played out. He's not a bad character and he's acting really well. It's just almost like we, we, we kind of breezed over, but let's, I think we both agree on our crab man award. So for any new listeners, the crab man award goes to a character with a small role but giving large contributions. And so this week, I think it's, we already talked about her. We have a crab girlfriend <laughs> award going to Robin. Shout out to Robin. Even though you weren't a big fan of Billy Joel, that's totally okay in my book. I love Billy Joel. We already talked about her. Robin is getting the crab girlfriend in the refrigerator award <laughs> slash run over by a train. <laughs> Okay, so we are going to continue with the literary analysis. Homelander being compared with Jesus. Go, Carl. Yeah, the more I think about this character, I think Homelander actually might be my favorite person from the show. He's one of the more dynamic heroes. He's like the face of the Seven and whatnot. At one point, Starlight is asked if she had a crush on uh, Homelander, if she had feelings for him. And she says to the deep, no, I, I could never. He's like Jesus or something. Like, he's too perfect. And I just thought that was really interesting. You know, you get this a lot. You have to have that one hero who's patriotic, has an American theme, you know, suit. And they have the values. They look like a corn-fed Nebraska boy. And, you know, it all works out great for the appearance and the phenotype of what you look for. Of course, Marvel has Captain America. Of course, DC has Superman, right? They all have their bread and butter patriot uh, guy. I love that at the end when you see Homelander take down that plane and he saw a kid on there. I just thought those that back to you like, oh, I love the cynicism of it. I thought that was great. Um, kind of sad. And I was like, oh, that kind of sucks. Like, you know, that kid was there. But again, it uh, showed you how far on the other spectrum these people really are. They look one way on, on, on the TV, but they're doing something totally different when the camera's off. And that really adds to that cliffhanger because the character Butcher, which we haven't talked much about, he he said as well that Homelander isn't like the other heroes. Yes. So as a viewer, we're, we're still thinking, oh, Homelander is, is good. And then Homelander is not good. <laughs> Butcher does say that, yeah, Homelander is the exception. And I, at first, I kind of believed him. Yeah, you know, he must be the goody two-shoes like Superman. He's always going to do what's right. And I do think that does ring true for Homelander. Even in the end, when he takes down the plane, he is doing what's right, I guess, for him and his brand. He's protecting the brand. He's protecting, you know, the seven. Cynical. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but... I understood, I guess, in his mind, because if you look closely, as soon as the plane is down, he does kind of grin a little bit to the camera. So it's almost like, a, oh, I, you know, job well done. You know, he doesn't have a broken heart about this. And maybe there was a slight foreshadow as well. The very first scene, Homelander, he does kill a guy. He, So maybe that's like a slight hint on the way that he killed the bank robber. I, I think so. I mean, you get different superhero models where some heroes never kill, some heroes some heroes do, right? Again, riffing off of, you know, the MCU, Captain America does kill. Like, that is something that Marvel said. Like, obviously, he does have a gun. You know, he, he does. He's a military person, though, so he is trained to kill. 
And then you have people like Superman and Batman and Spider-Man who never kill. It's against their moral code and spectrum. So I do think the story was trying to throw us off a little bit by showing Homelander as this goody-two-shoes, all-American, you know, golden-haired boy or golden-haired, you know, Jesus figure just to throw us under uh, over a loop when he takes down the plane. Off mic, you, you had mentioned this show could have just been, like, replace all the superheroes with politicians or with famous people. It's kind of like a meta-analysis of, the you know, they're keeping track of points and ratings and <laughs> all their actions are kind of dependent on, like, what's going to be best for the corporation and what's going to be best to make money. <laughs> Go ahead, Carl. I mean, yeah. I, I agree with you. That's, that's <laughs> why I was comparing it to, like, just the industry. When you have celebrities and politicians, you're absolutely right. They don't just move in individual ways. They move for the brand. You know, it's it's not – I don't want to give names and, you know, start a whole conspiracy and like that. But you know how different people are going to protect their brand. Different loyalties. The higher you go up, like they said in the – like they kind of alluded to in this show. The further you go up the food chain, the kind of grimier and more deceitful it gets. And, you know, the more you know and when people have dirt and information on you, they kind of hold that over you. That's how these people are really like friends, quote unquote. But yeah, I thought you could take these the hero element away from this show and still have the same kind of themes. Hero worship, false idolization, you know, and we do that without heroes now. We have celebrities. We treat them the same way. A lot of people, I think, not everyone, but a lot of people who are more sheep-like, they just see celebrities in this light and they think, like, yeah, must they must be good. They must use their money and power for good. And no, it's not not like that. Some of them are very opportunistic. I One, one of the characters I also love, too, was Translucent. How he was in the bathroom naked twice. It's like it just shows you that is how some people would be. They would just keep showing up in the bathroom until they found their opportunity. It's like uh, I thought that was a scumbag character, but also a very realistic character. A lot of people would use that power. This is the end, which I'm not sure if Carl watched. <laughs> no, I saw that, that was on yet. my that that I was on my petardar, and that was both Goldberg and Seth Rogen were both behind. This is the end, and so you can definitely see a strong a strong resemblance there between like how you portray famous people. The the veil of celebrity culture has kind of been pulled back more apps and social media and just overexposure we see so much more of celebrity culture than we did in the 90s or even in the early 2000s where yeah you might saw them on a magazine cover now these celebrities are very much exposed uh one of my favorite elements to this show as well was how the like you said the marketing and the branding and how translucent was upset that his movie was being pirated and he was losing points off you know the back end and that's how it is. It's self-interest. People, if, if their name isn't on the poster, or if, they, if their name isn't on the bill that passes for this and that, it's all about reputation and, and credibility and how much clout your name carries. Yeah, and points and ratings, that's that's straight up. Like, <laughs> new, like that's like C, yeah. NBC talk. Like, that's politicians talk. You know, you could talk, you're talking about points. You're talking about stock market talk. I mean, like, so, the, yeah, they're, like, stealing the language of like the corporate world in, yeah in the in the political world and they were using that same language to kind of determine what cities were like worthy when they were trading uh, what was it the nubian prince mm -hmm. she clearly said that baltimore needed help with like a 64 percent murder rate and blah 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 but they were like negotiating how much press the superhero was gonna get so it's like is it really about saving the people no a lot of times it's not about making the customer the happiest it's about keeping the brand and the media keeping the stocks high keeping the money flowing even if that's at the dis disenfranchisement of the people that you're servicing oh and then i meant to mention this in part two so so i'll just drop it in in the comic book she had to give homelander a blowjob yeah the, right the, the pious <laughs> jesus figure right he has to come down off his pedestal so this is actually a perfect transition. Part three, we are going to dive outside of the pilot. This is our Stormy Daniels dangling threads of interest. And we're going to just talk more about themes and ideas related to the show without really talking about plot and characters. We pretty much are outside of the pilot right now. And so we are going to continue with that. 
the metaphor that 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 uh, that we're talking about for uh, the industry and like the politicians and all that. Yeah, that's that's the way. Like like that's that's life. In like you can have like you could have a really important drug that could save a lot of lives. But you know what? It's about making money. You might have some type of uh you know a famous like like a famous one I know is is there was a gentleman that took down a cartel because he 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 was a pilot and he just flew all day long and and they recorded everything just took snap pictures and so you wouldn't have to catch anyone in and actually just have to wait and follow them where they go they go home so you could find like these people doing these drug deals and then you just wait and you go back and you look at the photos and you're like oh yeah they're at home right now and you just go to their home and catch them and they even did like a pilot <laughs> Like they tried this out, I think in like a, a big city like Chicago and it was hugely cost effective and it had all these positive things. But then, you know what? It comes down to the end of the day, like there's lobbying involved in like prisons, uh, police departments. People are concerned with like, who's going to use this information to catch me cheating on my wife. And when, <laughs> and at the end of the day, yes. like this policy does not go through. Like yes. we could have airplanes that would solve almost every single crime for us. I mean – it's stupid not to use it, but people are concerned about whether they get busted banging someone else's wife. <laughs> I mean, it's the truth, guys. Like we're telling you the truth. Watch documentaries. Watch more documentaries. The more you realize that there's interesting truths out there, or even not even just truth, but actual solutions, and you wonder why these things aren't pushed more to the platform, it's because it doesn't positively in, uh, affect the brand it doesn't help those people who are making money or benefiting off of certain issues you know for them to for these things to stop like you said i know it sounds kind of silly but it can even tie you can tie it into the dark knight you know christian nolan's 2008 film with joker when he says that you know certain things are like according to plan and you know certain issues when they happen across the world it just makes sense to us Oh, you know, forest is burning. Well, that's what they do. Forests burn. Uh, people get bombed. That's what happens. People get bombed. Like it doesn't really make sense to us until, like you said, it's affecting the politicians and the people in our world. I guess what I'm saying in this American bubble. I'm not sure if you have international listeners, but in America, we don't have heroes anywhere in the world, but we have celebrities, and they get the red carpet rolled out for them. Politicians get the red carpet rolled out for them. I'm not trying to, again, elicit too much conspiracy theory, but look what's happening in the news, you know. <clears throat> Hepstein, you know, you can see what's going on. People who are powerful have ways of covering their tracks, and when they, especially when they have political friends and people who are, the more you go up, I'm just telling you, the, the worse people get, the more devious and corrupt their minds get. Same thing with the heroes in the show it's like when you have infinite power and legacy and youth and money it's it's hard for you to control those things and we're just humans yeah so this so this ties into two other things i want to talk about so let's let's start with the first one um butcher's character says in the pilot quote the public doesn't want to know about it and and he's talking about, you know, the corruption, the corporations, you know, all all these things that, that Carl and I have, have been talking about. So my idea is conspiracy theorists want to know about it. In fact, they want to know about imaginary things as well. But like, <laughs> but like, does the public want to know about this? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> someone on uh, Instagram made a really good point about mainstream media and coverage and what's going on right now with the Amazon rainforest, which we kind of alluded to just a few minutes earlier. And he was talking about the rainforest coverage and this Popeye's chicken craze that's going across America right now, you know, with this chicken and whatever. And he was saying that you would want people to talk about the rainforest more, but he's like, most people wouldn't know how to find the rainforest on the map if you gave it to them. But they people want to talk about what they know. People want to talk about what they can relate to. Most people cannot relate to, again, these burning forests and, you know, the gas fuels. And they don't care. Of course, fast food and pop culture and who's winning this award for this crazy video that hit a billion streams. This is what people want to talk about. Well, you know, where's Spider-Man going to go? What's, what's This is what's newsworthy. You know, look. It's, you're happy, you're watching it happen in real time. You know, the thing, the truth is not 
fun or interesting or sexy or glamorous, but the lies and the scandals and things where they can kind of manipulate, you know, perception, that gets put on a lot more. Of course, I love food, too, and I love chicken sandwiches and all that, but I can definitely look at this from a whole, uh, a big picture and like, yeah, that, it's crazy that that happened the same time this happened and everyone's talking about this and no one's talking about this. You get a lot of attention about, like, flat earthers and people that believe like these ridiculous conspiracies get a lot more attention than than something more real like the fact that farmers are probably burning down the rainforest so they can make more money <laughs> I, I think it goes back to what butcher said and what a lot of us have known for a long time people will rather hold on to a lie that comforts them than know the truth deep down i think in our hearts of hearts People, when they go to bed or look in the mirror in the morning, they know what's right. They know what's wrong. But again, that lie they can dress themselves with, that that homelander that is the almighty, the the all-pious homelander who would save anybody, they would never want to believe the truth that this person could, again, take down a plane with innocent people on board. I mean, there was only the one guy who knew information, but just took down the whole plane. He could have just waited for it to land and took him out, whatever. He made a big point of it all, you know, so I, I definitely agree with the butcher's character that most people just would rather close their eyes and focus on American Idol and let's vote for that than something meaningful. I just feel like they, deep down, they don't have a, the empathy level to, to maintain. I'll pick on the social justice warriors a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, like a lot of that's just like tribal issues. You, you look at the issues that people jump on board and it's like a tribal issue. And it's probably not the most important thing in the in the country or in the world, but it's something where people can like come together and and everyone can be a part of one thing. So, I mean, I think people do want to know, but it's a lot easier to not know. And there's a huge difference between not knowing something and kind of like being just naive and, and innocent. So like, well, hey, I, I didn't know people were that corrupt. I, you know, I really didn't know. It was like this. I mean, even from high school, you know, 10 years ago, there was a lot of things that I didn't see in the mainstream media, just, you know, the public, that now I can totally see how things are spun. And I think that kind of goes back to the character Starlight, you know, her arc in the pilot is she's like the, you know, they show she's from, you know, Des Moines, Iowa, or she's from somewhere far, not the city. She's not like the city slick city people. And you get, like, you know, you get the Me Too moment where she's been kind of, like, you know, coerced to do something sexual for one of the superiors or whatever you want to say. And even her, it's like she's physically strong and she's capable in a lot of different ways. But you have that same kind of feeling of, like, a young ingenue who goes to L.A., who goes to New York in the hopes of finding stardom. It's like you're prepared in one way. You got the talent. You got the, you know, you got the package. But you're not prepared for the other things. You know what I mean? You're not prepared for that casting call. You're not prepared for that zipper sound dropping. Like, you're prepared, of course, to sing your heart out. You're prepared to stay up late and record. You're prepared to spend the hours on the road. But it's those other things that we get kind of, like, caught off guard. And I don't think that she was stupid. I think she was genuinely naive to he was going to do that. So I just felt like, hmm, that kind of just shows you that. You might think you're ready for fame and fortune, but there's always going to be that surprise behind door number three that you weren't quite prepared for. Anyone in the industry who's been in the industry for more than a couple of years, they will tell you that they went through that door number three. Well, hey, I didn't think that was going to happen, and it did. Sorry, I'm like hijacking the uh, no. Let's go. We're doing threads here. We had we had talked about in back another uh, one of our first episodes. One Punch Man is kind of like another take on superman like if you were so powerful you could beat everyone in one punch what would happen in the you would get <laughs> bored you know like you would be bored out of your mind and so homelander is like another take on that if you were so powerful what would you do and homelander would take fame and money and do whatever you can to like keep your your ego and your your image as high as possible so my question to you carl what kind of Superman would you be? Meaning what? Like, what would I hold special or? No, I mean, would you get bored like One Punch Man? Oh. Or oh. would you be like an egomaniac like Homelander? Would Would you be Jesus Superman or would you be some weird mix of? I think if I had the powers of a Superman, I don't know if I would 
go the whole fame and fortune route. I would try to just keep testing my powers, you know, find the end of the universe or smash a planet or something. I think something like that would be fun, but no, I, I definitely see that argument where sometimes the heroes feel like they're like licensed guns. And, you know, they have to, like, you know, when they jump or when they say, you know, jump, we have to ask how high. I, I don't really like that or how even if you watch a little bit later on in the series, there's like a military aspect going on where they're trying to get them to work together. And no, I, I don't know if I would be as controlled either, but I don't know. These Homelander is an egomaniac for sure. He might be the worst one. Um, he wants attention. He wants attention badly. Yeah, so obviously we know how Garth Ennis thinks. Like, Garth Ennis thinks that Superman would actually be more like Homelander. I could see myself definitely getting bored at times. So I, I could see myself being a little one-punch one man-ish. But I think I would be a little more like, like, like what you said. I would be curious. I would want to experiment. I would want to try things out. I would definitely want to make some money. I, I wouldn't be a poor superhero, that's for sure. <laughs> freedom. I would definitely want freedom. Who's, who's a superhero with a lot of freedom? Silver Surfer. Maybe like, like Silver like Surfer. Huh. Well, that's what I was thinking before about having the powers of Superman. My One of my favorite characters of all time is Batman. I love characters that are like alone and isolated. And, you know, they're not always in the team up, you know, aspect. And neither is Superman, but he's very but family oriented. Well, right. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, if I could have those powers, I think I would just be like reclusive, which maybe is like a detriment to have all those powers. But I, I'm not. The signing an autograph for a 20 minute kind of person. You know, I'm not the person to sit at a book deal. And I mean, maybe if I was something that I really love, like a Comic Con or whatever, but I can't imagine myself like, do, okay, hey, can I have a selfie with you? And those the celebrities who like say to their fans, hey, when I'm out with my family, don't like come up to me and ask me for photos. That would be me immediately. I would, I would put that out there like, please do not approach me in public. I'm really, really awkward. Yeah, I would I would do the signings, you know, especially if you're Superman, you probably sign like a like a million autographs in like a half a second, anyways. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, I would definitely want my fortress of solitude for sure. Yeah, you gotta have that. For as far as the dangling threads of interest, I did want to also kind of look at the success of a brand like the MCU. I don't know if a show like The Boys could have came out seven years ago, and that seems like a long time. But even five years ago. I think now that we have the MCU being like the height of Hollywood, you know, success, critical success, these superhero movies are even, you know, lauded by critics. You have them now in the Oscars. In some ways, and I'm a huge Star Wars fan, I think for this generation, Marvel is the new Star Wars. It's always in the news. It generates lunchboxes and, you know, it's exactly what we're talking about. I don't know if a show like this could, the show, like, excuse me, The Boys, could come out unless Marvel or the MCU and even DC to some extent was as successful. That's why we get to parody and look at the differences because in, the, in Marvel, which is Disney owned, they would never show stuff like this. You would never get blood falling out of people's eyes and superheroes diving in between people's legs at miniature heights. I thought that was like really strange. Um, so for people who maybe think that the Marvel like formula is becoming too dry and saturated and they want something more adult, this is going to be right up their alley. It is a niche show. I should have mentioned this in, in the background, but there was a company that I can't recall the name that originally produced the comic book and then it was dropped because that, that company was bought out by DC. Hmm. And so they eventually were picked up by Dynamite Comic Books. And one of the other creators besides Garth Ennis, DC allowed him to continue working on it. But DC like didn't want anything to do with the boys. And uh, so I think you could have a show like this without the super success of Marvel MCU. It wouldn't be on Amazon Prime. It would probably be on Cinemax. <laughs> <laughs> you do have One Punch Man. You do have that movie Hitch. Watchmen. I mean, so, you know, like there's... There's definitely been some things where people have kind of took the other side of the superhero genre. 
And you just have the movie, I want to say it came out this year, Brightburn, which was like the negative story of Superman, or if what if Superman came here and he was like evil. Of course, I know they weren't able to use Superman's name, but that was the story of Brightburn. It was like the same story. A kid came to Kansas, but instead of becoming good, he was like ultimately evil. I also haven't seen that movie. Some people loved it. Some people thought it was like really like insane and graphic and whatnot. Um, but I do think, again... For people who want a more R-rated Deadpool-like show that has some gore and violence and heavy-handedness, as in terms of maybe nudity and whatever else, this show is right up is right up your alley for sure. Yeah, and a nice distribution of male and female nudity. We had we yes. had a nice cock shot in this one as well. Uh, there was yeah a couple like a couple, I said. A couple. All right, and so we are gonna wrap up the show. Our Either of us going to continue watching this series, Carl? I'm currently on episode four. I know there's only eight of them, so I'll, I'm going to finish watching it. Uh, I definitely think it's worth a rewatch, and I'd recommend it, but there are some story uh, reservations that I have. I mean, the plot, again, is very surface level, which is what you get. I'm also watching it. I think I'm on episode five or six. I mean, I don't love it. I, I don't think I'll ever rewatch this series. But it's fun enough. It's, I mean, I play on my phone while I'm watching. You don't have to pay that close attention to it. Yeah, same. Uh, I don't think it's, like, better than Heroes so far. I think that's still one of my favorite, like, superhero TV shows. Daredevil, again, is pretty up there. But it, it's fun. It's interesting. I thought it was a little overhyped. I was expecting a little bit more. But, again, it was really enjoyable, and I'm going to finish the first season. So, And so now, the moment you've all been waiting for, to hoist or not to hoist, that is a question for any new listeners. Not hoist means the episode is good enough, and to hoist a pilot episode means it is bad, and it is being, it is being blown up <laughs> by itself. So, Carl, what is your judgment? I am going to go with not hoist. I'm also going to go with a subtle not hoist. As I kind of mentioned, I am watching it, so I, I got to give respect for it actually engaging me enough to keep watching. But, you know, we... We talked about it, some decent low points, and um, it's this will lead us actually perfectly into the next section. This is our put it anywhere but there, guys, quest for the best and worst pilot ever. There is a link. Click on it, and you can see our running list of the best and worst pilots ever. We talked about um, good enough, but it's not great. So probably like middle range. Unfortunately... I'm not able to look at the running list because of a privacy block. I'm I'm at work and I'm not able to access the Pilots and Petards <laughs> website. You can. I I will update the list. It'll be in there around the middle. I think it's definitely pretty solid. It's and not oh my god, like you have to see this. But it also wasn't, you know, I'm falling asleep either. It was a really solid episode, you know, nothing uh, higher than I would say 7.5 out of 10 for me. For any loyal listeners, it is definitely above the cloak and dagger threshold. So it's it's probably going to go below Umbrella Academy, even though I liked it better than Umbrella Academy. If it, if it was my list, it would go above um, Umbrella Academy, but it's not my list. Maybe it will be my list. Maybe I'll modify it. <laughs> I'm going to have to check on the list and see where it ends up. Yeah, I'm not familiar with Umbrella Academy, but I have to watch that as well. How about uh, The Punisher? Did you see that one? Yes, I saw uh, Punisher the first episode. I think, it, uh, I would say slightly above Punisher. So, slightly, above. slightly above. I yeah, do like I would, the ensemble. I would I would probably put it around The Punisher. So I, I could see it going a little above The, uh, the Punisher. So stand by, click on the link. It'll be updated. By the time you listen. And now, our last section of the show, we are going to go into our petardo. This will be recommendations based on today's viewing and conversation. So first, I would like to put out the comic book series, The Boys. That's on my petardo. I'm, I'm going to track that down and read a little bit of it. I'm, I'm interested and I am a big Garth Ennis fan. Garth Ennis is one of the few comic book authors that I, that I really enjoy. And then also, I you got to throw it out to the Watchmen once again. I mean, the Watchmen's going to end up in the Petardar every time we do a comic book, <laughs> anything. So, the Watchmen as well. Yeah, I would absolutely be interested in reading a little bit of the comic book uh, or the series of graphic novels, whatever it might be. I want to say when I was watching it on Amazon, there was like a lot of trivia coming up. And I saw some things about 
the characters and how they were represented on screen and being similar or almost spot on to the characters in the comics. I want to say the character Frenchie is known for having like goggles in the comics, and he had he had goggles on a couple of episodes that I've ended up watching. One of mine to enter the Patardar was Mystery Men. I want to say it came out in 1999 with Ben Stiller, Greg Kinnear. But yeah, that was like, again, a way ahead of its time. It's parody on the superhero genre. Again, false hero worship. They also were, again, ahead of its time in, in terms of using the superheroes for branding and Coca-Cola and how they would use their, uh, their uniforms, almost like a NASCAR uh slate i thought that was really funny uh i love that movie too i wish they had did a sequel <laughs> and shout out to goldberg who i forgot adam goldberg and seth rogan this is the end i think is a lot better satire it, this is the end is really funny and this episode was not funny so <laughs> i have to try this is the end i have to check it out i, I couldn't find the streaming last time i had to try but i'm gonna look it up yeah it's it's not easily accessible all right, remember our sponsor, Public Library. I guarantee your local public library has it. So <laughs> go and check it out. If you're still listening, that means you owe us. Repay your debt by telling someone else about the podcast, leaving us an iTunes review, or listening to more episodes. Remember, what would Carson Daly do? Also, contact me. Let me know if you are listening. Let me know what you would like us to review. I think Carl and I are going to tackle... There's a Darth Vader uh, web series, very low-budget production, but we're going to take a look at that. I'll share that to the website because it's on YouTube, and you can watch it on YouTube or you can click on the website and check it out. And I would like to thank Jake Drew for producing our intro and outro music. You can join the Facebook group or you can click on any of those find us links in the show notes. And we will see you next week. Once again, let me know if you're listening. What? Let me know what you want because I am not having as much fun producing episodes as I used to. And if no one's listening, I might stop. Thank you guys so much for having me. Again, write in, leave questions, comments, and feedback. We appreciate it. I know Jimbo definitely appreciates it as well. There is a new Star Wars show on the horizon. I'm trying to get this young man to start a whole new podcast, a whole new channel maybe, dedicated to that series. Disney Plus has a lot of things coming out of the gate, of course, the Marvel shows. So stay tuned. If that sounds interesting to you, write into Jimbo and let him know if that's something worth his time. Every day we hoist pilots and batards out.